Not yet. I'll try to have it for you in the morning. Not that that'll help you, but we'll try to. Okay. Okay. But I will work on it this afternoon. All right. Let's see here. Let's do um, number 231. Can you do 231? Jesus saves. Jesus saves. Did y'all get enough to eat? Too much to eat? There you go. <laughs> oh, way too much. Number 231. We're not going to make you stand on this one. We've eaten too much today to stand. So let's sing all four verses. We have heard the joyful sound, Jesus saves, Jesus saves, spread the tidings all around, Jesus saves, Jesus saves, bear the news to every land, climb the steeps and cross the waves, onward tis our Lord's command, Jesus saves, Jesus saves, wafted on the rolling tide. Jesus saves, Jesus saves, by his death. Jesus saves, Jesus, sorry about that. Sing ye islands of the sea, echo back ye ocean caves. Earth shall keep her jubilee. Jesus saves, Jesus saves. I'll try to get the words right on this third one. Sing above the battle strife. Jesus saves, Jesus saves. By his death and endless life. Jesus saves, Jesus saves. Sing us softly through the gloom. When the heart for mercy craves, sing in triumph for the tomb. Jesus saves, Jesus saves. Give the winds a mighty voice. Jesus saves, Jesus saves. Let the nations now rejoice. Jesus saves, Jesus saves. Shout salvation full and free, highest hills and deepest caves. This our song of victory. Jesus saves, Jesus. Wow, that's a high song to sing after lunch, I'll tell you. All right, let's pray together. Father, we're so thankful for the wonderful day you've given to us together. And what a joy it has been to be around your people around your word, and, uh, Father, to sing songs that uh, draw our hearts to you and cause us to uh, love you more, to express the love that we do have for you. And we pray that you'll bless this afternoon's uh, message and the service time together. May your Holy Spirit guide and direct. And, Father, that we would have um, some things from your word that will uh, challenge and encourage us in our hearts and, uh, Father, that we would be more of what we ought to be uh, each and every day, that we would strive, that we would press toward the mark, that we would not uh, just coast along or be satisfied, but that we would strive to grow even more and more in the grace and the knowledge that you give, that we would be more yielded to the leading of your Holy Spirit and guiding in our lives. And, uh, Lord, we ask this with our hearts. We, we want this. We long for this. 
And we ask that you would give us the strength and ability to be able to accomplish it, to be able to grow each and every day into uh, such a place that is pleasing to you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, just across the page, number 232, when I see the blood, I will pass over you. Christ our Redeemer died on the cross, died for the sinner, paid all his due. Sprinkle your soul with the blood of the Lamb, and I will pass, will pass over you. When I see the blood, when I see the blood, when I see the blood, I will pass, I will pass over you. Chiefest of sinners, Jesus will save all he has promised that he will do. Wash in the fountain, open for sin, and I will pass, will pass over you. When I see the blood, when I see the blood, when I see the blood, I will pass, I will pass over you. Judgment is coming, all will be there, each one receiving justly his due. Hide in the saving, sin-cleansing blood, and I will pass, will pass over you. When I see the blood, when I see the blood, when I see the blood, I will pass Oh, great compassion, oh, boundless love, oh, loving kindness, faithful and true. Find peace and shelter under the blood, and I will pass, will pass over you. When I see the blood, when I see the blood, when I see the blood, I will pass, I will pass over you. I love that verse 3. Judgment is coming, all will be there, each one receiving justly as due. Hide in the saving, sin-cleansing blood, and he will pass, will pass over you. I'm thankful that when it comes time for me to be judged justly by a just God, that I have something that covers me, and it's the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because, boy, I'll tell you, I do not want what I justly deserve. And I'm thankful for that. Boy, isn't that a great song? I love that song. Well, let's take our uh, Bibles. Uh, Proverbs chapter 29. I want to leave you with three thoughts today. 
and uh, be will be fairly uh, brief here probably this afternoon. I say that every time I usually say that we go along, but uh, uh, my my uh, kids when I was when they were younger and a pastor down in Florida. If they ever heard me say I have a short sermon tonight, they would bring their pillows and blankets. They knew it was going to be long. And uh, anyway, Proverbs chapter 28. I'm sorry, verse, did I say 28, 29? Proverbs 29, excuse me. Proverbs 29. And uh, let's look down at verse number 18. Very familiar passage of Scripture. Where there is no vision, the people perish. But he that keepeth the law, happy is he. Father, we pray that you will bless uh, the message this afternoon, and Lord, may we learn some things about a godly and a biblical vision. And so, Lord, we ask that your Holy Spirit, for the next few moments, will guide our hearts and our minds. And uh, Lord, we we don't uh, we don't need to come and hear uh, uh, an alliterated outline or or uh, my thoughts. On things, but Father, we want to understand what Your Word has to say about some things, and so help us and guide us in this area. And Lord, may we be a people of vision, and that uh, we would uh, not be caught uh, asleep uh, when You come. And I pray that You'd help us to find us busy in our hand uh, on the plow and doing the work that You called us to do. And so, Father, help us with this. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Probably one of the difficult things in Christians' lives, especially in, in especially for those that go uh, to church on a regular basis. Uh, some people would call them church members. Sometimes uh, people may not join the church, but they come all the time uh, to the church, and that's kind of their church home. Uh, one of the hard things, the difficult things that there is, is to continue to keep your heart stirred up. We've been dealing the last two or three weeks on the topic of revival and having the power of God in our lives and in our ministries that God has given to us. And so, so much so because the, the tendency is, and, and it happens to all of us, I believe, is that we get to a place, and, and sometimes we even get to um, places that we maybe have never been before spiritually, uh, maybe even to a place where we feel like, boy, I have never uh, had this much joy and excitement and, and thrill to my Christian life than I have now. And the problem is sometimes once we experience that or we experience a, a uh, mountaintop experience or revival period of time in our lives, is how do we maintain that? How do we continue to fan the flames and, and fuel the fire? Um, I, I've, I've watched in my lifetime, um, there are times I get on a kick about something I really like that I enjoy. And maybe it's a hobby or something, and I'll, I'll go all out in it for a while. And then after a while, you get tired of it. You ever been there? You know what I'm talking about? You, you don't, you're not as thrilled and enthusiastic about it. If we're not careful, that will happen in our Christian lives. But we don't want that to happen. Uh, we don't want to be the same way in our Christian lives that we are in all the other areas of our life. Uh, we want to stay stirred up. We want to stay um, close to the Lord. We want to feel the fact that He's walking with us daily and that we're walking with Him daily, that there's that closeness of communing and fellowship with Him, um, not just going through the process or the motions. And uh, I, I thought of that as I was trying to, to come up with some things that I think would be a help to us. Uh, we've, we've had several weeks now of messages along these lines. 
And one area that we have not yet dealt with is this issue of having a vision. Having a vision. Uh, we, we've talked about it in a little bit and touched on just briefly in the morning service this morning that there are times in our lives that we will kind of rest on our laurels and the, the, the things that happened in our past spiritually. Uh, maybe, maybe the way we used to serve or maybe uh, the way the Spirit of God was in our lives at a particular time. And we love to recount those times. But I, I think if we're not careful, we will think that it was a one-and-done type thing and, and we'll never have that place again. We'll never get back to that point again. And I want to encourage us in some things. I, I think there's some things the Bible teaches about this subject of having vision. And I think that the, 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 uh, the, uh, Solomon was so wise when he penned these words, where no vision is, the people perish. If we continue to just uh, enjoy what we're doing and we don't change things, we don't, we don't pursue after things. I like what Paul said. He said, forgetting those things which are behind, I press toward the mark. And oftentimes I think in that passage of the fact that, that Satan, I think, was probably the messenger of Satan that he was speaking of that came to buffet him all the time and, and would remind him of his past. And for him to be a, a preacher and to, and to be bold in the faith, I think Paul had to deal with his past demons and the things that he had to deal with in his past, in his mind, and the fact that he had tormented the Christians and, and had done things um, putting them to death. I'm sure that weighed heavy on him and caused him much ridicule. I'm sure people criticized him and said, Well, Paul, who are you? You're the one who used to kill the Christians. Why are you out here preaching? And I'm sure that that's part of the case. And um, I was talking with, uh, I think my been Brother Douglas here a few months ago on that particular verse. And he, I, think he, I think you were the one that brought up also not, you have to forget all the things that God's done in your past and not just rest on those, that you've got to pursue after things that God's going to do in the future. And to keep pressing, if we, if we just think on our past things, we'll lose that vision, we'll lose that looking forward, that pressing toward the mark, that running the race. And uh, I don't want to be caught that way. If, if the Lord returns, um, I, I don't want to be caught coasting along. I, I, just, I don't want to be caught sitting there in my, in, my, in my recliner in my golden years thinking, well, God used to do some great things in my life. I want Him to be doing them now. I, I, like, I like the story of Caleb in the Old Testament. And at 80 years of age, he said, I want that mountain, the one where the giants are. I mean, I want the hardest one. You give it to me, and I'm going to get them, you know. And uh, I like that spirit. I like that idea. And I think that as, as we look in Scripture, the Lord tries to teach us some things about waking. He even tells us, Wake thou that sleepest, and uh, the fact that we're to be watching all the time, that we're to be sober, we're to be vigilant, um, we're to constantly be uh, uh, being circumspectly looking around and uh, being aware of things, pressing. He uses all this verbiage. He gives us prophecy in Scripture, I believe, to help us have vision of things to come and what, what great things are still yet to be. I think if the Lord tarries his, his time and is coming back, uh, I, I really believe that the greatest days of my spiritual walk with God and the greatest days of your spiritual walk with God are yet ahead of us. I don't know how close we've been to the Lord in the past, but I would say this. It ought to be something we say, I want more. I, I think it's going to be even better. 
I'm going to get to the place where I love Him more with my life than I do now. And, and not be content. Uh, I think contentment is probably one of the greatest enemies of the Christian life. Um, I know the Bible says godliness with contentment is great gain. And yet it's talking there about the fleshly things, the desires of the flesh. That is not speaking of our spiritual walk with the Lord. I think there ought always be a, uh, an honest introspection of our personal walk with the Lord. And if we're honest with ourselves, it will never be what it can be because it is tainted by the flesh nature. There will always be room for us to do something more, to, to be a little bit more in love with the Lord, to allow the Lord to work a little bit more in our lives. And I say all that to say this. In order for us to do this, I believe we have to have vision. The Apostle Paul wrote to Titus in Titus chapter number 2. He says, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior. He said, this is the motivation we ought to have. Always looking to the fact that the Lord is coming again and keeping our minds fastened on that. In Hebrews, the writer of Hebrews in chapter number 12 tells us, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, he says, Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us, and run with patience the race that is set before us. And the very next verse says, Looking unto Jesus, the author, not only was he the beginning of it, but he's also the finisher of our faith. Something that we're to look forward to. And I, so I think that if we're going to have this spirit of revival in our hearts, and I'm not, I'm not asking God to give our church revival. I'm asking God to give me revival. And I'm asking God to give you revival in your heart to have a life that is marked with a revived spirit all the time and to live that way. Uh, I, I believe that we can live in a revived state provided that there is vision and that we, we look forward to the things that not... God did do, but that God is going to do. Now, there are some things I want us to look at regarding vision. Let's turn to Jeremiah chapter 23. I'm going to give you a few lessons on it uh, from God's Word that we need to make sure that we are aware of uh, when it comes to this thing of vision. I I mentioned briefly in Sunday school uh, last week and this week that we have to be careful sometimes using the phrase that I believe that God has led me or I believe this to be God's will I think sometimes we use that uh, quickly and carelessly and perhaps without due diligence in seeking, is this God's will? We do it to justify what our will is in front of our Christian friends by saying, I believe that God's leading me to do this. Now, I'm not saying every time that somebody says that you're to doubt them on it. That's not what I'm getting at. What I am saying is there are times in our lives, if we're not careful, uh, we will impose our will and, and then claim that it's what God wants for us. So to, to help us protect us from that, that mindset, I want us to look at a couple things here. Jeremiah chapter 23, and look down, if you will, with me, to verse number 16. Thus saith the Lord of hosts. And by the way, any time you see that phrase, I don't care. I mean, our ears always ought to be inclined to God's Word, always. But when we see those words, those aren't just somebody speaking by inspiration of the Holy Spirit. These are God Himself speaking. And so look here, he says, Thus saith the, Holy, uh, the Lord of hosts, Hearken not unto the words of the prophets that prophesy unto you. They make you vain. They speak a vision of their own heart and not out of the mouth of the Lord. Can I tell you, lesson number one, our vision, to have godly vision in our lives, it will always come from God's Word. 
Our vision will always come from God's Word. If it doesn't come from God's Word, it's not God's vision for us. It is our vision. And, and God even warns the, the, uh, Jeremiah here. He says, you tell the nation of Israel, be careful of these prophets that are telling you that this is what God has. He says they're teaching you to be vain and to make your own heart vain. And it says that they're speaking of a vision that is not from the Lord, but it is a vision of their own heart. So can I help us with this tonight? When it comes to having godly vision, we need to come to God's Word and say, Lord, give me a vision. Not sit there in your house with a, a bunch of paper and say, how can I make my life better? You know, uh, health, wealth, and prosperity, power of positive thinking. What kind of vision can I have? I, I, I think January 1st is a good time to make uh, new commitments to the Lord. We call them New Year's resolutions. But oftentimes those are based on us. I'm going, to, I'm going to lose weight. I'm going to eat better. I'm going to exercise. And none of it ever happens, but at least with me. But we come up with things that we want to do. It's our will. And we have vision for the new year. Why not at the end of this year or whenever it is that we're going to do that, why don't we come and say, I'm going to spend the, the, the two or three weeks leading up to the new year seeking God's Word for a biblical and a godly vision for the new year. To come from His Word. And then, and then I would say this. Look with me in Habakkuk chapter number 2. Habakkuk chapter number 2. And um, that's one of those minor prophets, not because he was minor, but because it's a short book. It's back towards the end. If you're not used to finding that one, go to Matthew and go back of about four or five books. Math, uh, Habakkuk chapter 2. And notice what God says here in verse number 1. I will stand upon my watch and set me upon the tower and will watch to see what he will say unto me and what I shall answer when I am reproved. Now, this is Habakkuk speaking here. So he says, I'm going to stand up here and I'm going to see what he shall say unto me. And the Lord answered me, verse 2, and said, now this is what the Lord is saying. This is not the vision of the prophet. This is the vision of God to the prophet. He says, write the vision and make it plain upon the tablet, uh, tables that he may run that readeth it. Can I tell you this? When our vision is not a biblical vision... It's hard to run that race. It is always going to be hard to run that race. So number one, when it comes to having a godly vision, we must get our godly vision from God's Word. It must come from God's Word. Number two, and this is the area that probably I would say in my life I struggle with more than any of the others. And that is this, that when it comes to a godly vision, it always requires faith. Vision and faith go hand in hand. They, they cannot, you cannot really have one. If, if you have vision without faith, that's just wishful thinking. It really is. Vision is not only knowing what God has for you to do and something, a goal that you're striving towards, but you're doing it with the expectation of God accomplishing it through you. Look with me in the book of Hebrews. And again, a very familiar passage of chapter number 11. Hebrews chapter number 11. Verse number 1, the writer of Hebrews says, Now faith is the substance of things, what? Hoped for. Okay? Vision. 
Faith is what causes it to turn into something. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtain a good report through faith. We understand that the world's refrained by the word of God, so that things which are seen are not made of the things which do appear. Verse number 6, But without faith it is impossible to please Him. If we're going to have a godly vision, it has to be marked by a godly faith. A godly faith. What do we mean by that? It's not just a boldness of saying, I can, I will, here I go, and I'm going to get it done. It's actually the opposite of that. It's seeing the vision that God has given to us from His Word and saying, I can't do this. The only way it will get done is if God does it through me. And it has to be absolute dependence upon Him. Now, that doesn't mean we don't roll our sleeves up and work along with that faith. But it is not trusting us rolling our sleeves up to get it done. It's saying, Lord, I can't do it without You. If I don't, if I don't, if I don't get God involved in the situation, it is destined to fail. So if we're looking at this in the context of revival and the power of God on our lives and having our hearts stirred and living in a spirit of revival, we must have a vision, and it must be based on God's Word. But it must go beyond that. It's got to be to the point where we say, Lord, I can't do this. I can't live this way. I can't accomplish these things. But I, I can trust you that you will accomplish them in me. We, we oftentimes get too self-sufficient, even when it comes to ministry. Have you ever noticed that? Um, it, it, even in our own walk with God sometimes, we become very egocentric about it. I've had people come a few times and, and say, Pastor, I'm struggling in my prayer life. I'm struggling in my devotion time. I just don't get to, the, I don't feel God's presence there. It's just not the same as it used to be. And it's all about, everything they say is all about how they are feeling. And the problem is their eyes are looking the wrong direction. They're looking inwardly at, at, them, at themselves. And they ought to be saying, I want to look at the Lord. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Keeping our eyes upon Him is probably one of the hardest things. It's the easiest thing to know. It's the hardest thing to practice. It's one of those things that we, we so quickly and without even recognizing the fact become so self-centered even when it comes to our walk with God. It becomes all about how I feel, what my experience is, what I'm doing. Pastor, I've done this, I've done that, I've done this, I've done that, I've tried this, I'm not feeling this. And it's I, 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 I. And the problem is we're looking inwardly. Why? Because our eyes are placed in the wrong, wrong place. When it comes to our vision, our biblical vision, our godly vision that's based on God's Word, we must put our eyes upon Him and say, Lord, by Your grace and with Your help and Your strength, we will have this accomplished in, the, in my life this year. I can't do it, but with Your help and Your strength, I can. And then pursue, press toward the mark, do what Paul says. But we've got to do it looking for the Lord Jesus Christ in it. Number three, and this will be the last one. 
we need to understand that the godly vision that God gives us will impact the future. The godly vision, when it is practiced alongside of biblical faith, will always affect the future. And I say that because sometimes we don't we may say, Lord, I need a vision. Lord, I need your help in the vision to accomplish it. But by the way, I'm happy with my life. I don't want it to change. You can't keep doing the same thing you've been doing and expect there to be a different result. Uh, I think it was Clarence Sexton one time said this. He said, in order to change the future, you must disturb the present. Something's got to change. And so when we get a godly vision and we have biblical and godly faith alongside of it, we need to go into the vision, working and laboring for it, expecting that the future will be changed. Not expecting it to stay the same. And I say that to say this. If we do this, and we're trying to see God do a, do a work in our hearts, I want the God's power. I want God's revived spirit in my heart. I want, to, I want to wake up in the morning, my feet hitting the ground, saying, Boy, I'm ready to go for the Lord. I want that kind of spirit. And I get a vision for it, and I begin to pray for it, and say, Lord, I can't do it, but you can stir it in my heart then I need to expect tomorrow when I get out of bed, that's going to happen. Something's going to be different. And if all I do is keep saying I'm going to have the same thing happen, then we haven't mixed it with faith. We've mixed it with mediocrity and with the status quo. We've had some vision or we've had some wishful thinking. Boy, I wish I could lose some weight. <laughs> that's what I'm on right now. I wish I could lose some weight. I'm going to use a... Uh, a non-godly thing here, just a physical thing to illustrate this. And I can have a real desire to lose some weight, and I do. I, I'm trying to do some things and change some things. But I can't just sit back and say I, I want to lose weight and do nothing about it. I've got to, I've got to, I've got to put some feet to my prayers. And so I go out here and I think, okay, I'm gonna go get a dozen Krispy Kreme donuts and see what happens there. No, that's trusting my own, my own ambition. Instead, I'm going to go to somebody who's already doing it, who knows how to lose weight, and I'm going to say, you know, I can't do this. I've tried it and tried it and tried it and tried it. I need your help because I know you know how to do it. I know you can do it. And they're going to say, if it tastes good, spit it out. And I'm going to put faith in that because they know what they're talking about. And then I will expect to see results in the future. What happens a lot of times, and I use a silly, simple, physical illustration to illustrate, but the truth is we laugh at that, but oftentimes we are guilty spiritually of doing that exact thing. I've got a vision. I'm going to try this, and I'm going to try that. Let's come to the Bible and take it from the one who knows how to accomplish it in our lives and say, Lord, I don't know how to do this, but you do. And I'm going to take what you said, and I'm going to try it. I'm going to prove it. I'm going to have faith in it. And I'm going to pursue after it. And then see what God can do. I hope that will be a help to us in having biblical faith. I long for God's power. I long for revival in my heart. I long for it in your heart. And it's not going to happen if we just keep doing the same thing. If we keep coming to the same services, hearing the same preaching, having the same meals, having the same fellowship... Those are all great things, but those are just the fruit of the heart. Let's, let's, let's focus on the heart.
Let's see if we can't trust God at what He says and put it into practice in our lives. All right? Let's stand together and we'll be dismissed in prayer. Father, we're so thankful for Your Word. We pray that You'll bless it and use it. Uh, Lord, we ask that You would give us not just any vision, but a biblical vision of what our lives can be, what You can do in us and through us, how close our walk with You can be, our, our communing with You day in and day out, our walk with You. Lord, may we understand that it can be a thriving, vibrant, revived life. Lord, truthfully, we have tried it all our ways over many, many years. We've been saved a long time, and yet, Lord, we still see our lives not living this way. And so we want to come to Your Word. We want to trust You to do it in us. We want to trust what Your Word says. When it tells us that we need to get rid of the sin that so easily besets us, so that we can run the race that's set before us. Then, Lord, help us to have the strength and the courage to get rid of those things that are in us. May we take Your Word at what it says, have faith in what it says. When it tells us to press toward the mark, then, Lord, may we press and and put forth the effort. When it tells us to look unto the author and finish of our faith, then, Lord, may we keep our eyes upon You. May we find all of these things in Scripture that help us to accomplish a vision that You give us. Have faith in what You said, that it will work, and put it into practice in our lives. So, Father, I pray that You would help us in the days and the weeks and the years and months ahead to not just go through our Christian life waiting for the return of You and the rapture, but, Father, that we would uh, thrive, that we would press, that we would pursue after a life that is growing and uh, each and each and every day that we are loving You more, that we are becoming more like You. And Lord, we ask that Your Holy Spirit will guide us and direct us in all of these things. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.